God's word that we'll take a little bit of time this morning to consider is Acts chapter 2. If you're following along in the service folder and you want to, uh, to just stay engaged as we listen, there's uh, some notes for us on page 4 there. Otherwise, if you're uh, in one of these white Bibles, you can take a look at Acts chapter 2. It's on pages 884, uh, probably for you there. So, this morning we are, are continuing our study of what the gospel means for our life. Let's begin that with a prayer. Gracious God, we thank you that you have gathered us again this morning to rejoice in the goodness of your mercy, your grace that is new every morning, uh, to let us be formed and shaped and molded by your word into a community of people that works for you, and to let us be refreshed and renewed as we receive forgiveness. We pray that each of us would hear and know the gift of new life by the power of your Holy Spirit this morning as we hear your word. And do not let me, your servant, stand in the way of your people hearing this word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So the, the message of Easter, message really I should say of Palm Sunday, and then Monday, Thursday, and then Good Friday, and then Easter Sunday that we've been hearing for the last month or more, is that Jesus is the true king. The true king has come. He has given up his own life so that the rules and the regulations and the requirements uh, of the people are satisfied. And so that the people who believe in him and join him in his kingdom can have freedom from their guilt, freedom from their punishment, freedom from their shame, and everything else that would destroy us. That's the, the message of Easter. And so in the weeks after Easter, we've been discussing and looking at what does the, the gospel mean for our whole lives? How can it, it be part of our whole lives? And the first thing we, we heard about is how Jesus said to Thomas, peace be with you. Right? The truth of Easter, the truth of the gospel is that Jesus has fought the war, the great war for us, so we can live with whole hearts. The battle that we feel within our hearts between good and evil, right and wrong, it has been fought by Jesus. And we can live with these whole hearts. But that's not all. That's not all because the battle in our hearts often leads to the physical things outside of us having power over us. And part of what the gospel also says is that, hey, the power of those physical objects, the power of that physical stuff around you, it doesn't actually come from the stuff. It comes from your hearts. The power of those physical things is in you. And as you desire, exchange that desire, I should say, exchange your desire for stuff with delight in the gospel, then the power of the physical stuff breaks. Right? This is so important for us as Americans because so much physical stuff, sometimes a lot of it is, is very good. Family and money and, and homes and vacation properties and all of these things. So much physical stuff holds power over us. But when we can delight in the gospel, in God and his work for us, then the power of that physical stuff over us gets broken. 
And God wants to say another thing to you. He wants to create for himself a, a, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a holy people, a people belonging to God. And today then God invites you to be his community. He invites you to be his community. And when I say community, I simply mean there what, what we would say as a community, a group of people who share some common trait or characteristic and usually also experience a, a, a sense of fellowship, of camaraderie, a, a bond that goes into them. There's no better place to see God's vision for building his people than to turn to what happened right after Easter. It's as soon as Easter happened, God sent the Holy Spirit and he created his own people. That's what happened with Peter's Pentecost message. That's what we're looking at today in Acts chapter 2. We're, we're starting with verse 41, but you can look at that whole thing if you'd like. Peter's Pentecost sermon. Now, this is the birth of the Christian church, in a sense. It's the, the birthday of, of the people of God, the post-resurrection people of God. Uh, and it's an exciting day, because this day we hear that 3,000 people were added to the number of adherence to Christianity. 3,000 people in one day. Right before that day, there were 120 adherents of the Christian faith. And after that day, there were 3,120. That is incredible. Something very powerful was going on there. And maybe you say to yourself, well, it's a fluke. You know, there was just a really charismatic speaker that day and everybody got all excited and, and they decided to jump on board. But if you keep reading along in the book of Acts, you'll see that it, we don't know exactly how many days, but not many days go by and another 2,000 people are added to the number of believers. So there was something incredible going on here. There was explosive church growth and we know that it didn't just happen on that day or those first couple days uh, because what happened over the next 150 to 180 years, right? By 150 to 180 AD, the Christian church numbered over 100,000 adherents, 100,000 believers, uh, despite the fact that it was a, a totally new religion in a fairly hostile environment. There was some incredible growth going on there. And, and it wasn't because of great speakers. Uh, if you read Peter's Pentecost sermon, right, you'll, you'll say to yourself, well, that's a nice sermon. There's good law and there's good gospel. You know, it, it's fairly straightforward. But you're not going to read it and say, wow, that changed my life. That was the most exciting message I've ever heard. It, it, it's Professionals will say, you know, it's, it's pretty straightforward, it's, it's cut and dry, you know, it's, it's not exactly exciting. It, it wasn't about the charisma of the speaker. There was a spiritual power there, there was something deep at work, and we hear about it when Peter says that the, the people were cut to the heart. They were cut to the heart. Why were they cut to the heart? There was this incision, so to speak, made deep into them, and, and Peter says that the Holy Spirit gets put into that incision. He says, repent, turn your whole life around, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That was what happened on that day, right? Turn your whole life around, and, and there will be new life planted deep in you. There was this spiritual power 
put into them. It was incredibly attractive. It was an incredibly attractive and exciting thing. That new life is incredibly exciting. You know, it, one of the things that, that people don't like, for example, about, about churches sometimes is that, that there can be a lot of gossip. Right? Uh, so-and-so says so-and-such and doing so-and-so. And did you hear about such-and-such? And, such? and everybody says, oh, that, I don't need more of that in my life. I get enough of that on TV and politics and Facebook and everywhere else. Um, but, you know, when you take that gossip and you turn it into something else. Right? The other day I was with, um, with a, a, a guy who was sharing in this public setting. Right, So this is not gossip. He was, he was in this public setting and he said, you know, my wife and I, we're having some troubles, some struggles in our marriage. Could you all pray for us? Our, you know, marriage is just tough for us right now because of job and other things. And it wasn't gossip. If I had said, oh, I think you're having problems, if I guessed and turned to somebody else uh, and said, hey, I think he's having problems, that would have been gossip. But this guy, by his honest public sharing, destroyed gossip. The, the gossip. See, he had the, the power of a new life working in him and he could face his sin and his failure and his mistakes and it was incredibly attractive. And one of the things I love to hear about, and I bet you do too, is when people come to worship services or other gatherings and, and they're moved, to their, they're really shaken by the experience. I, I heard about one the other day where a, a guy came to a church and it was a very powerful experience. He came up to the pastor afterwards and he said, what do you guys believe? What, what do you guys believe? You know, I, I've never seen people so engaged. I don't go to church. I'm not interested in church. I haven't gone to church in, in, in years, decades. Um, I don't believe it. But when you were all engaged, it was incredibly lively. What was he seeing there? The people were cut to the heart and there was a new life that was coming out of them. That is what happens. Right? That's what happens to you and me when we hear this message. Now that new life, right, that, that liveliness, that's not an absolute sign of genuine faith. You've probably been in lots of scenarios where people are very lively, very engaged, where the, the spirit maybe could be there. You don't know, though, if, if that's a true sign of new life or not. But what the Bible does tell us is that people who have faith, who have the new life, they will show it in their lives. It will show up. Right? The new life can't help but come out of you. If you believe the gospel, there will be a, a new life that, that pours out of you. And that's what Peter tells us about right here. Let me show you an example. For example, uh, in verse 44 in this lesson, Peter says that all the people were together. Did you notice that? There, he says this, all the believers were together. Now, I want you to think just for a second about the strength of this comment. Realize what Peter is saying. Right? He's going to go on in a couple verses, and he's going to tell us that the people met together. And we'll say, hey, when did they meet together? They met, though, together we see constantly, right? regularly, daily. They were daily getting together. And where were they meeting together? They were meeting at the temple. They were meeting at their homes. But the, the point wasn't just that they were meeting together. 
It was more than that. There was something that had changed about the way they were together. They, they were together, right? They were just together. There was a, they had become separated before. They were apart and, and alone. And now something had changed and this new life was coming out of them and they were together. They had become together. They were incredibly powerful. Do you see how radical this kind of a change is for these people? See, here's what's so exciting and, and so interesting about this. I, I bet over the years, from me and from other pastors, you've gotten the sometimes subtle or, or not so subtle guilt trip to, to get together with other people. You know, the, the why don't you come to our gatherings? Why don't you come to our worship services a little more often? You know, why don't you come to this? Why don't you come to that? Uh, you don't want to just be a Christmas and Easter Christian, do you? You've probably gotten that before, hopefully not too much uh, from me. You know, if you read the book of Acts, the apostles never did that. I'm not saying that it's wrong to urge and encourage one another. But the apostles never had to guilt trip anybody. It, it, they, they almost had to keep people apart because they were together so much. They were of one heart and, and one mind. They were just, they were together. They were all in meals together. They were all in the temple together. The apostles never had to urge people to get together. It's just like a baby who cries. How do you know the baby is alive? Because the baby cries, right? You can't stop the baby from crying. It has life, so it's going to cry. And when God's people, when you, when you have new life in you, that's going to come out in your life. You're going to be together with other people. You can't help it. You don't come together with others as a response to a command. You don't come together with other people because it's your civic duty or because it's your family obligation, because it's your responsibility. You and I, we don't do that. You come together because the new life is coming out of you. You can't help yourself. As Peter says, they were all devoted to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread, to fellowship, and to prayer. They couldn't help but want to be together because they knew just how much their Savior was devoted to them. The eternal God had, had given up His own Son so that He could be with them. And there was absolutely nothing in the world that would stop him from coming to them. You could even say he, he wouldn't get stopped by a cross because he, he was going to rise. But it went beyond that. The cross was the way for him to get and to be with them, to get to be with you forever. That's how devoted he was. Is he was going to die so that he could never lose you. He's committed to having you forever. And when you see how devoted he is to you, how can you not be devoted to him? Right? Devoted people, they, they come to life. They make for an incredibly lively community. And yeah, you're devoted. I know you are. But it's more important that you see that you're devoted to for as much as God is devoted to you, that's how much you're going to be devoted 
to one another. How can you not be devoted to all of us when you see just how much God would spend, God would do, God would commit to being with you for all time and eternity? So one of the things I want to invite you to do this week is to be a community. Make yourself a, your own little community and, and, and find some people to invite into that community. Maybe you want to invite some people over to your house. Maybe you want to sit down and, and go through the, the study questions that are at the end of the service folder. You know, every week I, I put in some questions at the end of the service folder, page 8 and following this week. Sit down and, and find a friend and say, hey, let's have some coffee and go through this study together. Um, Maybe you want to invite some people over and have a, a backyard barbecue. Be a community with them. And, and you could ask some kind of a simple question like, what are your hopes and your dreams right now? Or you could ask them something like, hey, what's God done in your life lately? And maybe God hasn't done anything. That'll make them think for sure. I know I'm going to try to do it. I, I intend to have the, the elders and the maintenance and the council all over this week as we have meeting night. I want to have everybody over and uh, have dinner at our house. That's how we're going to try to do it, to be a community where then God can devote himself to us. And you know how powerful that can be? That guy that I told you about who, who stood up and he told us that his marriage was a little rocky, and he needed prayers. That was a, a public thing. Um, but that came right after he gave us his story of faith. He told us how he came to faith. And it was an incredibly powerful story because this guy grew up irreligious, and, and uh, he did not have a good perspective or an opinion on Christians. He went into the military. He served in the special forces. Uh, he saw and he did terrible things. And he, he was fully convinced that, yeah, God could forgive people, but God would never forgive an, an awful person like him. And he told us then how a, a, a mentally and a physically handicapped child played a, a huge role in his life uh, and witnessed to the joy of the gospel so that he ended up believing. It was a profound opportunity for me to hear how God had worked in somebody's life. And then he turned right around and he said, you know what, my... My job has changed and I don't feel like I belong anymore. I'm having problems with my wife and my marriage. And I got to come and pray for him. And I could say, thank you, God, for making this man and his wife models of grace for us. Because we can't do it alone. But we don't have to. God has, has devoted himself to us so that we can love and serve one another. Friends, let's make a lively community. Because we're alive by that gospel of grace. Let's pray for that. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you. We praise you that you have sent us the Holy Spirit. You have cut open our hearts and, and put that spirit into us to give us new life. So that we can be a lively community. People who have new life can't help but want to be together, to serve others together, to love together, to care for the hurting, the poor, the needy, 
to do things together because it's good for this world. When we see how devoted you are to us, how can we not be devoted to one another? And so we ask that you would, would bring us that new life, would change our hearts so that we can live out of that powerful devotion that you have shown to us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.